Welcome, everybody, to Tokens of Wisdom. I'm your host, Dave Rothschild, a partner at Cole Freeman and Mallon, a boutique law firm based in San Francisco with one of the leading private fund practices on the West Coast. Before we dive into the episode, like always, please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the show. Nothing I say here is legal investment or tax advice. Building off our last discussion on performance allocations and high watermarks, today we're tackling hurdle rates. Now go back and listen to episode 24 for a basic rundown of hedge fund performance allocations and how they work. Trust me, Lawyer Explains Accounting is podcasting at its absolute best. Building on that episode, today we're going to further complicate simple performance allocation accounting by adding a hurdle rate. What is a hurdle rate? Well, not unlike its namesake in racing, it's a bar a GP has to leap over before it can win the race. Except here, the bar you have to leap over is made of excess profit rather than metal and wood, and winning the race means earning real gold i.e. a performance allocation, instead of a gold medal. Side note, did you know that Olympic gold medals are made of at least 92.5% silver with gold plating on the outside? Honestly, what about the Olympics is not fraudulent and filled with cheating? Probably nothing. Anyways, a hurdle rate is an investor-favorable mechanism that says the GP only earns a performance allocation from an investor in a given period if the investor has earned at least a certain amount of profit. Recall now that baseline performance allocations are taken on all profit in the period. Performance allocations with a hurdle rate, however, means the GP has to hit a specific rate of return before it can take any performance. If you make $1 of profit in a period, the general partner does not get 20 cents of performance allocation, unless it's the world's smallest hurdle rate. In which case, why? What is the actual rate? Well, that's entirely up to the fund manager designing the terms and the investors negotiating them. It's a contract provision, so they can negotiate for whatever they want. The higher the better for investors, the lower the better for the GP. Seems pretty obvious. Now, sometimes a hurdle rate is an annualized rate of return, say 7% per annum. Sometimes it's pegged against the performance of an index. Let's say performance of the S&P 500 during the same period, for example. Really, it can be anything the parties agree to, or nothing at all. So let's continue my super simple example from episode 24. There are limits to my mathematical creativity after all. You invest $100,000 in a hedge fund on January 1st. This fund has a hurdle rate pegged at a 7% annualized return. Now we're going to illustrate the hurdle rate in action through two different scenarios. Scenario one, at the end of that year, your capital account is worth $105,000. It's up. Score. Now, you've been listening to your tokens of wisdom, so you know that since it's been profitable, the GP gets a performance allocation, right? Wrong. It didn't beat the 7% annualized hurdle rate, and so no performance allocation is earned for that period. Hard stop. Scenario number two. At the end of that year, your capital account is worth $110,000. It's up. Score. Now the GP gets a performance allocation for that year because the performance, 10% for the year, exceeds the hurdle rate, 7%. Now, how much is the performance allocation? That's an excellent question, and it's almost like this is scripted or something. The amount of the performance allocation the GP gets depends on whether the hurdle rate is hard or soft. And no, I'm not taking the bait and making some kind of hard versus soft joke. A hard hurdle rate says the GP only gets a performance allocation on profits that exceed the hurdle rate. A soft hurdle rate says the GP gets a performance allocation on all the profits generated for the period as long as the profits exceed the hurdle rate. To illustrate this, let's go back to scenario two from above. If you have a fund with a hard hurdle rate pegged at a 7% annualized return, and we're assuming here that it's a 20% performance allocation, then the general partner in scenario two gets 20% of $3,000. Well, 20% of $2,999.99, but we're not that exact here. 
In other words, the general partner gets about $600. Because recall, there was $10,000 of profit. The hurdle rate was set at a 7% annualized return. 7% annualized on your $100,000 initial contribution would be $7,000. So the GP is taking performance allocation on the $3,000, aka $600. 20% of $3,000 is $600. I did put that into a calculator to confirm. If it's a soft hurdle rate, the general partner gets 20% of $10,000. So $2,000. That one I calculated all on my own. Hurdle rates are investor-friendly. Hard hurdle rates are investor-friendlier. Now, there are are other mechanics that might play into a hurdle rate calculation. Usually, it's an on-off switch, and it resets for each period. So unlike high watermarks, like we talked about in episode 24, you do not have to make up a deficit from a prior period when calculating the next period's hurdle rate and performance allocation. But like I said above, this is just a contract term. Parties can negotiate to make it as complex as they want, as long as they're willing to pay the lawyers to figure out how to draft those complex mechanics into fund documents, and as long as they're willing to pay accountants to calculate those complex mechanics. This is a good time to sit and remind everyone that if you're going to put in very complicated hurdle rate or any other other accounting mechanics into your fund documents, make sure that the accountants responsible for calculating them are involved in the process of drafting them. You all know I love to denigrate the math skills of all lawyers, but seriously, we suck at math, so make sure your accountants are involved in the drafting process and are comfortable with the language in the fund documents. You're going to be stuck with it when it comes time to calculate this stuff anyway. Well, now that all that boring regulatory analysis is out of the way, it's time for the part you've all been waiting for. The legal disclaimer. In this show, I describe laws and regulations from a 10,000-foot view, and while this should be obvious to most, I need to say it nonetheless. This show is for informational purposes only, and nothing said here constitutes legal, investment, or tax advice. If you're thinking about starting a fund or you're curious about what's involved, this show is a good resource as you explore your options. But if you're going to pull the trigger and launch a fund, please engage an attorney to assist you. Thanks for listening to Tokens of Wisdom with Dave Rothschild. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, follow, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends about us. Last but not least, if you have any questions about what we discussed today, feel free to send us an email at tow at colefreeman.com, spelled out in the show notes. 